All right, so more than words, this is series, all right? This is the series we're in. And uh, this is the kind of the big idea is that communication is not easy, okay? Uh, it takes work, uh, but you can get better at it. We've been talking about it now for three weeks. I mean, you, it takes work, it's, it's hard, uh, but you can get better at it. Now, I did find this week a really solid instructional video. And, and I think this instructional video for how to communicate will benefit you. And so uh, why don't you check it out and see if you can gain the benefit I gained from watching this video. Men of Rastor, my brothers, this day you fought with honor. This day you vanquished those that mean to smite us. The Dark Lord forged his enemies to reap their terror, but we persevered and slayed them forthwith. In the years to come, they will sing our victory song as we sung for our forefathers. Sorry. The Sorry. Sorry, God. Uh, just one thing I thought I might bring up. Whatever is it, brother of the watch, fellow kinsman. Yeah, this. Honored knight of the third yeah, men. This is, is what I want to talk about. We are using way too many words, guys. How doth thou mean, proud warrior of the north, brave son of yeah, the... There. That's what's like, we could really speed things up around here if, if we just cut down on the wordage. How so, brother of the cloth? Defender of the Norse. The th well, like in battle today, huh? um, when you yelled, um, I'm paraphrasing, but uh, noble horde, raise thy shields from yonder field of battle approaches, is it thy mm -hmm. enemy's arrows? arrows? Yeah. yeah, next time, just yell duck. I reckon. You know, I mean, a lot, a lot of us died before you finished talking. So, not speak in such an elongated way for the, for the sake of time. Exactly. Actually, and and just while we're on the topic, we were just talking about this morning. Um, the tales that we tell, the one about the ring and the sh short hairy foot people. Mm -hmm. Maybe that could be just one story. You know instead of six three-hour unnecessarily long stories some merit you may have in your words my brother yeah. i see how my verbose retelling may I, elongate that don't i don't think you you do no um yeah uh, even this the, the victory speech you're making i i, I don't know I, I just think maybe just say we won or something you know you guys uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your words have resonated deep in my mind, my brother. Again, I don't I think see... they I don't think they have, because you're still he's still doing it. We won! Yeah! Oh, oh. Oh. <laughs> so conflict is hard. I mean, communication is hard. You can get better at it, all right? You can, you can get better. I hope you'll progress today uh, in your abilities to communicate, particularly uh, the difficult messages we have to communicate. Proverbs 12, 18, here's a key uh, passage here. There's one whose rash words are like sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Uh, I do want the, the fruit of our time together to be, uh, we'll be able to, to give healing words rather than hurting words. And I hope that that will happen for us as we learn how to engage in one of the more challenging aspects of communication. All right, there are forms of communication that are more, uh, that are, there, there are a few actually, that are more challenging than conflict. Uh, conflict is the most challenging form of conversation to have. And the good news is that's what we're talking about today. So that's good. We'll talk about conflict. Good friends have loving conflict. Good friends have loving 
conflict. That's our text today. Better is the open rebuke, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Uh, I'm going to say something challenging here to you, and there are some of us who are very conflict averse. And I want to tell you something: if you're conflict, if you're conflict averse, this 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 text is saying to you and me that we need to become better friends. You see, if somebody leaves a friendship uh, because they can't quote do conflict, uh, they're not behaving as a good friend, uh, because true friendship requires loving conflict. It's a, it's a it's a it's a key piece of it. You can't be a really good friend if you're not willing to have a really tough. Uh, conversation. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. What this proverb says is as life gets tougher and tougher, your, your circle gets smaller and smaller, and often what happens when life gets really tough is those, those who are near to you are those who are family. Without friends, we can't become our best selves. Like we can't mature. We can't grow into the best versions of who we are. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That sometimes when pain happens, there's not even family there in the circle, there's friends there in the circle. Because the friends are, are willing to go through hard things, to say hard things, to endure hard things. Uh, they stick close to you. And I think the difference between a friend and an acquaintance is the ability to say hard things. Uh, that's, that's a key and fundamental difference between having a friend and having an acquaintance. Now, I, I am not conflict-averse. I, I don't mind conflict. I don't love it, but I don't mind it. I'm able to have a tough conversation. Uh, in fact, uh, I'm, I'm totally willing to have a tough conversation right now if you want to have one. Like it's, it's just, it's not, it doesn't bother me uh, a ton, but my, my wife uh, has, has more difficulty with conflict. It's just harder for her. And, and I didn't realize that we had this difference in our, in our marriage for a very long time. Uh, in fact, uh, when we first got married, I was working in a high-conflict work environment. Uh, and so in my environment, there was lots of conflict, lots of truth speaking, uh, the kind of the, the, the sort of phrase around, you know, uh, the office place was put your big boy pants on, we're going to speak the truth around here. And, and it was that kind of thing all the time. And I took that way of speaking uh, home and it didn't work out so well. <laughs> and, and, uh, and Vanessa was like, I don't like your work voice. I was like, I don't have a work voice. You, you do. It's rude. And, uh, and so like whenever I would, like I had to try to figure out what was going on there. We were sitting in church planter assessment with a, with a therapist and uh, that's what you do when we, when we assess church planters for church planting. They, they sit with a therapist and spend some time walking through kind of the, their marriage. And the therapist, you know, he starts to digging into our life. And he says, you know, Nate, you don't, you know, you're not very conflict averse. And Vanessa, you, uh, you know, you, you don't like, enjoy conflict. And, uh, and because your personality traits and all these things I've been looking at and the conversations we've been having, I have a feeling that Nate sometimes has the ability to sort of move really fast in a relationship and drag you behind. And, and he doesn't listen to your voice. And I looked at the therapist, his name is Matthew LaGrange. I looked at him right in the eyes. I said, dude, you're full of it. You don't know what you're talking about. I was like, I'll do conflict right now. Let's go. And, and I look and he goes, hey, could you just hit pause for a second and look at your wife? And she's like tearing up, you know. And I was like, oh, I'm a jerk. You know, like, <laughs> I, I didn't know that. Thank you for revealing that. Later, uh, Matthew and I became friends. And uh, we, we were at a conference together. He said, hey, I just want to take you out to dinner. We went to Ruth Chris. I took a selfie of me and, and, and Matthew at Ruth Chris. And Vanessa goes, you cannot be friends with him. He saw me cry. And so we had... We had great. We had great. She's, we we joke about this. It's okay. We joke, you know. And, and so Matthew and I are really close, close friends. And and we, you know, we we I enjoy that. I enjoy that tough conversation. And I've had to learn how to how to how to deliver tough conversations in a way that can be heard. 
And that's what I want to talk to you today about is how do you do that? How can you deliver that tough conversation? Because I think we ought to be grateful for friends who are courageous and loving uh, enough to engage us in conflict. And I, and I am extraordinarily grateful for Matthew LaGrange saying, hey, dude, uh, watch your behavior. You're not doing so well. And, and I was blind to it. And I needed somebody to speak into my life and to say that. Whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. And, and I, I later have found many occasions to be in relationship with Matthew and say, hey, thank you for that. What you said to me those, those many years ago has had a lasting effect in my life, and it really has. Uh, another, uh, in other words, you should never have to say to a friend, why didn't you tell me? Uh, this is a kind of a, 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 key, a key thing in all of our lives. Like we need friends who are not going to just kind of conceal it, but they're going to be able to tell us the truth, to rebuke us when we need that rebuking. See, I think loving confrontation involves a, a number of things. I put together for you a, 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 a kind of a, an, an equation uh, for how do, you, how do you get to loving confrontation. Loving confrontation involves giving the right word from the right person in the right way at the right time to the right person. And I'll unpack all of those things for you this morning. And I want to start with the right word. Uh, before you can a, a get to the place where you can deliver uh, you know, a a hard word to somebody. You have to make sure that that word is the right word. In conflict, we must speak both in love and in truth. Uh, we, have to be make, we have to make sure that we don't have just a truth to, sh to share, but that we've done the work in our heart to make sure that we are wanting uh, the best for the person we're speaking to, that we truly love them. When the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, when Jesus was incarnated, when the Word became flesh, made us, you know, made us dwelling among us, what did he come? how did He come? He came full of grace and truth. He, he came full of both truth but grace. There's a passage in Tim Keller's book, The Meaning of Marriage, and if you haven't read that book as a couple, I would encourage you to do that if you're married. And if you're dating, I encourage you to also pick up the book and read it together. Love without truth, he says, is sentimentality. It supports and affirms us but keeps us in denial about our flaws. Truth without love is harshness. It gives us information but in such a way that we cannot really hear it. God's saving love in Christ, however, is marked by both radical truthfulness about who we are and yet also radical, unconditional commitment to us. The merciful commitment strengthens us to see the truth about ourselves and repent. The conviction and repentance moves us to cling to and rest in God's mercy and His grace. We need both truth and grace, truth and love in the delivery of our hard things we have to say in life. So you evaluate the truthfulness of what we want to say, we've got to sift it through Scripture and prayer. Sometimes what we feel like is truth isn't actually in alignment with, with God's truth. And sometimes what we feel it like it is truth isn't bathed appropriately in prayer and isn't informed by God. For the Lord gives wisdom, the Bible says. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. And we've got to first, before we deliver a truth, evaluate that truth against God's truth. See, if, that's, if it's right to say, if I'm right to feel like it needs to be said. So simply feeling true to you is not reason enough to engage someone in conflict. Simply going, okay, I got something I need to say. It's not enough. It's got to first be evaluated. It's got to be looked at in light of God's Word and looked at in light of prayer. See, in conflict, don't follow your heart or you're going to find yourself in a heap of trouble. The heart is deceitful above all things, the Bible says, and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And there are times, when, when, especially when the conflict has, risen, has, has the emotions on the rise, those are the places when you're, 
you're less likely to be articulate, and you're less likely to speak the truth, you're more likely to speak out of passion. And we have to be able to put our, that, that truth that we need to deliver under, under the, the scrutiny of God's word, under the scrutiny of prayer, seeking leadership from the Holy Spirit. We must seek the truth, we must, we must seek the truth that is outside of ourselves. True truth is discovered through scripture reading and prayer. We need both those things to happen. In all your ways, acknowledge him, the proverb says, and he will make your paths straight. So say it again, simply speaking truth is not going to have the impact you, that, that, that you want to have in conflict. You've got to have truth that's bathed in prayer, truth that's, that's measured against God's truth, and truth that is seeking the good of the other person. It's got to be all those things. And we must always remember that we are speaking to a person that God loves and for whom God has a plan. And listen to this scripture. The scripture is both true of you, but true of the person that you need to have conflict with. For you, for you, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it well. And you, my friend, were fearfully and wonderfully made, but so is every other human being that you have to have conflict with in this life. And so the right word is always going to be a truth spoken to an image bearer of God for whom God sent his son. It's always going to be spoken to somebody whom God loves deeply. And so we've got to be making sure that when we have a word to share, it's, it's the right word. It's a word bathed in truth. It's a word that's, that's measured against God's truth. It's a word that's, that's bathed in prayer, a word that's seeking the good of the other person. And then we've got to make sure that it's from the right person. And what does that mean, from the right person? All right, hear me. Every fight is not yours to have. Every fight is not yours to have. Whoever meddles in a quarrel, not his own, is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. This is one commentator said, it's obviously stupid to pull the ears of a dog. The verse ridicules those who would get involved in a fight in which they have no part. It's, it's, look, there's, there are some of us who are eights on the Enneagram, if that means anything to you, which means that we like to challenge things and we enjoy a good fight. And sometimes we feel like we, you know, every, every, you know, every injustice in the world is ours to address. And if you love conflict, you have some things to evaluate in your life. If you really love it and you crave it, whoever loves transgression, loves strife, loves conflict, he who makes his door high seeks destruction. What's that mean? I spent some time this week in various comment commentaries have various opinions of what this means, but I think the consensus is something like this. Um, if you have a big door, it means that you have a big mouth. And if you're one of those people that's got a big mouth and every, every time you've got something to say to somebody, you say it, uh, that's, you're a lover of sin, the Bible says. So we all have triggers, though, that elicit emotional and sinful responses from us. I've got triggers, and it goes back to my childhood. All of us have triggers that go back to our childhood, but mine is bullying. Oh, man, when I see a bully bullying, it, it, uh, I, I become a very unholy person. Uh, uh, for instance, uh, a couple weeks ago, my son Corbin was in a soccer match, and they, it was a very competitive game, and they are playing against a team uh, you know, from Texas, and I already didn't like them. And, uh, and so you know, they were on, they were like just 
lots of back and forth. And they were called the Lone Stars, of course. And, uh, and so you know, there was just like this, all this battling going on. And uh, one boy uh, kicked the ball really hard. And, and Corbin was playing really, he's attacking midfielder. He's playing a really good game. And he, and he caught a ball right in the ear. And uh, it was just a, a, you know, just, it was a pretty violent blow. He went right straight to the ground. And he was on the ground. And he was, he was crying because he was hurt. And, uh, and the coach from the other side said, don't kneel for him. And I lost it. <laughs> and, uh, and Vanessa wasn't there to hold me back. And so it was like, I was like, and everybody knows that I'm a pastor on, the, on, on our team. And, and I'm like standing up on that. I was like, come on, you know. Like, I'll go, we'll, we'll, we'll go right now. And, uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was wild. I mean, a trigger. It's like, boom, like that. And so I took a breath. Later, I wrote the coach a note. And I said, hey, that was your, you know, I didn't say it this way, but having had this, you know, study going in my mind, I said, I, w- I appreciate the way you handled that. That was, you, you spoke wisely to our team. You encouraged the boys. You set a high standard for them. And, and I just really appreciate that. He, he, w- he was appreciative that I recognized that in him. But that was his fight, not mine. Uh, he was the coach, and he, he did well. That was his fight to have right then, not my fight to have. And he did a good job of that, and I need to recognize that and, 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 uh, and acknowledge that, and I did. You see, I think a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he was slow to anger, quiets, contention. And, and if you've got a trigger in your life, then it, it, it'd be worth it for you to spend some time working on that trigger. Spend some time digging that up, finding out what it is in you that sets you off, that gets you into places where you're having fights that are not yours to have. Because just because I feel an emotional response does not mean that I am the right person for this conflict. And that's kind of a, that's kind of a key you know, sort of takeaway for me. Just because I feel like that injustice needs to be handled doesn't necessarily mean that, I'm, that, that I have a dog in that particular fight. And so the right word from the right person in the right way. So conflict, hear me, conflict is not a tool for your catharsis. Conflict is a tool to seek, for the, good, to seek the good of another person. And what I mean by that is often we engage in conflict because we feel hot emotionally and we want to let it out. And, and, and quite frankly, um, you know, I had to learn through my time as, as I've grown as a husband in our relationship, uh, I would often go, I feel hot about this. I want to deal with it. And so I'll engage in conflict, immediately feel better because I said everything I wanted to say and walk away. And my, my wife is like, not better. Um, you know, it, it didn't make her feel any better. And I'm like, what's going on? And so it's, it's not, that's not what it is. The conflict is not an opportunity to just offload emotion, but we have to be seeking the good of the other person. Our motive has to be right. A soft answer turns away wrath. Another, uh, another translation says, a gentle word turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A word that's gentle, a word, a word that's gentle is one that empathizes. See, a gentle word expresses genuine care. And in my conflict, I can share a hard word in a genuine and gentle way. I can speak in a way that, is, that, 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 that has the best interest of the person in mind and communicate that in the way that I'm speaking. A gentle word can be, by the way, bone-breakingly clear. It can be really powerful in its delivery. With patience, a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue or a gentle word will break a bone. A word spoken, spoken with the right, the right way. I wrote in my notes this morning, a gentle word is a truth wrapped in empathy. It's a truth wrapped in, I get you, I understand you, I care about you. This is hard for me to deliver, but I want you to hear it in a way that you will respond well to it. Because your good is what I'm after. 
For conflict to be good and loving, it cannot be revenge-seeking. I cannot be in this to seek some kind of vengeance. Do not say, I will do to him as he has done to me. The Bible says, I will pay the man back for what he has done to me. That's not, our, that's not how we do it. Uh, Romans 12, 21, Paul, in the words of Paul, do not, over, do not be overcome by evil, overcome evil with good. If you've, got, if, if you've got conflict to have, this is not a moment for vengeance, but a moment to seek the good of the other person. And so from uh, the right word, is it bathed? Is it bathed in, in Scripture and prayer? Is it, is it true as compared to the Bible? Is it, is it true as compared to your insight from the Holy Spirit, your prayer time about that truth from, from the right person? Is this, is this your conflict to have in the right way? Are you seeking the good of the other person when you deliver that hard truth at the right time? And this is, this is often one that's uh, not paid uh, enough attention to. See, in conflict, I think timing is everything. Listen to Proverbs 25, 11 to 12. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Like gold ring on an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. There is a fit time, an apt time, a right time to deliver a hard message. See, you can say the right thing to the right person in the right way and still mess it all up because you said it at the wrong time. There's, there's wisdom in, like, when's the right time. We've had to learn. Uh, we, the, a hard conversation is, <laughs> doesn't need to be, be had right before bed. It's a bad time to engage in conflict. Uh, uh, another time is before coffee. Uh, that's another time uh, where it's just bad. You know, you're setting yourself up for disaster. Uh, we've also found that in the middle of something, like in the middle of like the busyness of life, is probably not the best time to have a really difficult conversation. If it's not urgent, but it is still something that is important, then we will schedule a conversation to be had in a safe place where both have prayed it up and seeking the good of the other person. And I, and I feel like that's true in the workplace. I feel like that's true in every other context of life. Like timing is everything. And evaluating where the person is and their particular story, their particular rhythm of their week is really important. And we need wisdom in choosing the right moment to have a hard talk. Like we really do. We need wisdom to know when is the right time to have this difficult conversation. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, the Bible says, and a word in season. How good it is. Uh, one translator said, there is great satisfaction in being able to give a wise word at the right time. And boy, what wisdom is required in making sure the timing is right for that difficult conversation. A right word? Is it, is it bathed in, in, in prayer? And is it, is it right and according to the Scripture? Is it, is it from the right person? Are you the person to have that fight in the right way? Are you seeking the good of the other person at the right time? Is this the right time for that? And this, this last one is a really another really often overlooked but important evaluation to the right person. Now, we have to be wise in discerning who we engage in conflict with. This is a hard truth, but listen to the, the words of the Bible here. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. He who re reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Now, I wrote this next slide, and I really wrestled with it. So I don't know that I believe that it's true, but I, I think it's, it, it could be true. And, and sometimes I speak in absolutes, and I, I, I try not to speak in absolutes. But I do think there are some people who are unteachable, at least at that moment. 
I mean, there's just like, you know, sometimes this is just not the person to try to turn with conflict because there's a track record of they're just, and you put yourself in a position to be abused. And sometimes you have to find a, you know, a boundary there and go, I'm not going to walk into a cycle of abuse where I'm consistently engaging in conflict with somebody who's not changing. But then this is what makes it hard is that there are some people who are really hard to teach. They're not unteachable. They're just hard to teach. And how do you know the difference? Whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. I think that's really a key passage because sometimes people don't automatically say to you, thanks for that conflict, I really appreciate it. But later, they come to you and go, you know, years ago you said that hard thing to me and it made a big difference. And I'm a, I'm a different person today because you said that hard thing to me. And so some, sometimes it just takes some time. You have to let it incubate. So how do you know who is the right person to engage in conflict? Well, the, the Proverbs don't really help us here, and they do. I want you to listen to two verses, just sort of back to back. Pay attention to how they begin. This is Proverbs 26, verse 4. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. And so there, it, there are some people uh, that conflict doesn't help. And then Proverbs 26, 5, the very next verse. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So the Bible seems to be in contradiction with itself in just a two-verse transition. Answer not a fool and answer a fool. So which is it? The Proverbs are saying, use wisdom. That's hard. But we have to use wisdom. And we have to know, like, when, sense it, pray about it, you know, like, seek wisdom. Ask the Lord for wisdom. Is this, is this the person? Is this the time? And am, I the, am I the one? And, and, and can they receive it? We, we also have to be discerning in what level of conflict is suitable for a particular person at a particular time. And I think this is really, you know, this is something that I've had to learn over the years. My personality is wired such that uh, everything feels urgent to me and it needs to be done right now, even conflict. And I don't like to have things on my to-do list. Uh, and so I would, I will, what, what I will often do is say, uh, I think there are like, you know, instead of handling one piece of conflict, let's handle seven or eight. Uh, let's just get it done. What, what, how do you feel about that? Let's be productive, you know, not conflict. And, and, uh, and, and that's, I've learned, um, not healthy. Uh, and so, you know, what, what used to happen in the old days is that uh, you would go to Subway, and uh, when you went to Subway, they would give you a, a ticket, uh, and, you would, and you would punch that ticket or put a sticker on that ticket, and when you filled it up, you, you went and you got a free sub from Subway. And I'm sure other people do some similar kind of program. What a lot of people will do is they'll, they'll just, they, they're so conflict-averse, they'll collect stickers on their book, and then eventually the book gets full, and it's like, hey, by the way, you know, and it's like everything now has to be handled. And, and sometimes it's better to have, you know, a little bit of conflict over time than to have, you know, try to handle all the conflict at one time. And I think that we need to have some wisdom that a, re- a rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. In other words, like some, some people, it takes a lot of repetition for that to sink in. A person of understanding gets it, but some of us, most of us, need a little time to let that conflict sink in and for it to have you know, its full effect in our life. The right word from the right person, are, are you 
the right person? Do you have a dog in this fight in the right way? Are you seeking their good at the right time? Is this the appropriate time to say this thing to the right person? Can they receive it? How much can they receive? That's how you get to loving confrontation or loving conflict. Now, I want to give you a word here about how the cross transforms the way we engage in conflict. Totally transforms the way we engage in conflict. Now, our key verse today has been Proverbs 27, 5 to 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. And it caught my attention this week that Jesus was kissed by an enemy. Uh, who was once a friend? Luke twenty-two forty-eight. Judas, Jesus says, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And in some ways, we have to always be letting the, the Bible point us to the cross. And one of the things that the cross confirms for us that is in conflict, I'm always a sinner confronting a sinner. So I, I'm, never, I'm never a righteous person confronting a sinner. I'm always a sinner confronting a sinner. I have always have to be aware of that. Now, this Proverbs 24, 26 has spoken to me so many times over the years, and it's been helpful for me. Um, whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. It's an idiom that takes some time to kind of figure out and understand. If you try to kiss me on the lips today, you'll get an honest answer, but it won't be what you want. <laughs> All right. uh, an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. What does that mean? Well, the, to understand the idiom, you have to dig into uh, Herodotus, and he says, this is also reflected in their social relations. Meetings between equals are accompanied by a kiss on the lips. And there are various other customs for people who are not equals. An honest answer is one that says, you and me, we're standing in the same place. I'm a sinner and you're a sinner. And I'm not confronting you as someone who's self-righteous, but someone who is in need of the grace of God. You see, <laughs> in, in conflict, I must remember that I, I do not need to justify myself because I'm already justified. So I'm not walking into this conflict as a superior, and I'm certainly not walking into this conflict needing to get something from you in order to justify me. Jonathan Aiken, in his commentary on this passage, says, And if I believe in the cross, I also agree with God's justification of my life, that God sees me now as he sees his beloved son. I have God's approval. Since pride starts fights out of the desire to justify myself, God's verdict can alleviate that. I do not have to justify myself because God has done so in Christ. You see, the cross is where I am weighed down by the power of my sin, but I'm also lifted up by the power of God's grace. And so I go to the cross, I go, yeah, I deserve that. But look what God has given me in his love. And so I don't hold my head down, but I certainly don't look down my nose at anybody else because of the cross. Now, I'm going to say something to you that's, that's, that's a truth that has been really good for me this week. Okay? You can handle any conflict because no one can criticize you more than the cross already has. You can handle conflict because nobody will say something worse about you than what the cross has already said about you, which is that you deserve death because of what you've done. And the cross speaks judgment over all of us equally. But the cross also is a symbol of grace. 
God so loved us and he saw us in our sinfulness that he took the penalty for our sin on the cross. He was buried in a grave. He rose again. He conquered our sin and death. Jonathan Atkin, in his commentary, says you can thank the person for their correction, even if it's wrong, because it reminds you of your true faults that led to the crucifixion of Jesus. You are now free to consider, is there anything valid here that I need to listen to? The cross just frees you because you've had an honest look at yourself in light of the cross. And you know that you are more wicked than you could ever dare dream, but also more loved than you could ever dare hope because of the power of the cross. You can handle any conflict without getting crushed or angry because you do not need man's approval since you have God's approval in Christ already. And so I can walk into it and you can say a hard thing to me, but what I know is to be true is the Father said, you're my son. What I know to be true is that Jesus says, you're, wor you're worth my life, Nate. I love you so much. And the value spoken over me by the God who loves me gives me so much freedom to walk into hard conversations and to speak hard truths and to hear hard truths. And so just for a reminder, if you're looking at, you know, you got some tough conversations to have this week. The right word, do you have the right word? Don't say it until you have the right word. I mean, pray about it. Read the word, read, read the scripture, pray about it. Seek wisdom from the outside. From the right person, do you have a dog in this fight? Is this yours to have? In the right way? Are you seeking their good or just vengeance? At the right time, have you given appropriate you know, like, is there time to even process this difficult thing that you want to talk about? To the right person, how much can they receive or can they receive it? And there's some wisdom in all that. And I think if the, what God has done in his word here today is he's given us some wisdom in how to do it well. And in this series, one of the big sort of takeaways I wanted you to have each week is, man, God's good. And he's given me some real wisdom and how to do this really difficult thing called life. And that's what I want you to have. So let's pray together. <laughs> Father in heaven, uh, I know that um, <laughs> what's on my mind right now, Father, is just like I, I set everybody up for really difficult lunch conversations. And so I'm thinking about that right now. I'm going, oh, please cover that in grace. And hopefully there's like really good things that happen here and it's rightly applied. And so all those things are on my mind. I'm concerned about that, Father. So I just pray that you would uh, allow us by the by, by your grace, to be able to have the conversations that need to be had, uh, that we would seek the good of other people, that, 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 that the, the net result will be gratitude, uh, that you would just give us a skillness, that we could, we could develop deeper, more long-lasting friendships with people. We thank you for giving us tools for how to engage in, in really loving confrontation. In your name, Lord Jesus, that we, we pray for these, this gift of confrontation. <laughs> Amen.